Welcome to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Winning, founder of the Motherhood Circle and creator of the Journey into Motherhood program. I'm a mother of two and have had two unplanned and unneeded C-sections and am planning my first home and vaginal birth. My own journey has sparked a deep passion to support women to find their own voice and strength to create the pregnancy, birth and motherhood experience you desire. This podcast is for women wanting to learn more about VBACs especially home births and for professionals who want to learn more about how to support VBAC home birthing women. Inside, we're going to share women's stories from surgical birth to achieving their vaginal home birth after cesarean. Now let's get started. Hey, me again. I just wanted to let you know that I've just created a brand new Facebook group called VBAC Home Birth Support Group where you can connect with other like-minded mothers who are looking to have a VBAC home birth as well. You can find the link in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you there. Hi, Emerald. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you and to hear your birth stories. Uh, Please introduce yourself to the audience. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. So my name is Emerald. Um, I am originally from the United States and I've been living here in Australia, particularly in Victoria for a little over, a little over three years, three and a half years now. And um, I love it here. I love it being an Aussie. <laughs> um, it's a great country. It's a great place to be. Um, I've got two, two little ones, um, Indy, who's three and a half years old, and little Zuzu, who's just about 16 months old. And yeah, it's just a little snippet about me. Awesome. Well, I was just talking to you on video, so I could see that you were in the beautiful sun. So I'm sure you're enjoying the the weather, even though it's a little bit cool, it's still a, such a beautiful kind of warm day in the sun, isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely. It's and been it's a windy day today. <laughs> yes, it happens to be so. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for introducing yourself. Let's hear about your first pregnancy, which uh, was in America, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. So um, with my first pregnancy, Indy, um, I guess I'll start with um, the fact that I was very uncertain how much to have my pregnancy and birth in the system and how much not to. And um, I had a lot of fear around pregnancy and birth because I had experienced uh, two miscarriages before this pregnancy. And um, with the latest miscarriage, I, I personally believe that it was related to um, too much exposure to ultrasound. And um, so I was a little nervous about everything just because I was actually just terrified um, Mm. when I found out I was pregnant with Indy Um, and to give a little um, just perspective on what I mean with the ultrasound with the miscarriage was that I had volunteered to um, let some nurses practice ultrasound on me Um, so uterine um, 
ultrasound. And so I had one of those lovely wands um, up <laughs> my vagina for about an hour, which wow. is a lot longer, long, which it? is a lot longer than mm. normal. And um, I miscarried um, two days later. And I, in, the, in that hour-long ultrasound, there was a heartbeat and everything was textbook perfect. So to me, like, I just really felt like it was connected. Um, so anyway, going into Indy's pregnancy, I was just full of fear. And um, I did just decide to go with the normal um, OB route to start. And then I figured I could switch maybe to a midwife, a home birth midwife or something longer down the track. So I started by having the regular prenatal appointments and, you know, I had bleeding early in the first trimester and so much stress and so much fear of losing this pregnancy. And, um, I did get a few ultrasounds, only two, but they were short. You know, I, I just, I felt like I needed the validation and the proof that there was a little being in there, you know, um, because, mm. you know, in the first trimester, it's just so uncertain because you, you know, you kind of, you feel icky, you feel off, you know, something's happening in your body, but you can't feel a baby. You can't feel the presence of the baby quite yet. And so I did have the, um, routine appointments in the beginning and my husband and I decided to move to a different state um, when I was out of my first trimester and um, I didn't establish right away um, any care with another OB. Um, I decided I'd like to try to find a home birth uh, midwife or a midwife run birthing center. And um, in America, it's incredibly expensive to have a baby. Um, if you don't have insurance um, from your employer um, or Obamacare there, which is insurance that you can pay for independently, but it's very expensive. Um, so anyway, I was interviewing some different midwives and it was going to cost, you know, roughly like seven to $8,000 to have a home birth with a private midwife. And, um, you know, we weren't just quite financially in that position to be able to pay that out of pocket, but also giving birth at a hospital without insurance. If you were to have a totally uncomplicated vaginal birth, it costs you about twenty-six thousand um, wow. dollars, and that's so expensive. That, yes. Um, mm. So there's a lot of stress financially around having babies in America, and um, yes, though. I kind of just decided to, you know, not see anybody until I felt like it was right or I found the right person or we were financially able to find a, um, the right midwife or OB, so on and so forth. And I had decided to skip the um, 20 week morphology scan. Um, I, at that point in my pregnancy, was feeling really good and felt confident in everything and that the pregnancy was going to stick. And I just decided, you know what, I 
don't want to have any more ultrasounds. I just kind of want to let the rest of the pregnancy unfold as naturally as possible. And um, ultimately hoping for a drug-free vaginal birth. Um, and then, let's see, so pregnancy is going great. Around 35 weeks um, of pregnancy because um, of just life circumstances, my husband and I had to move back to my home state. So we've uprooted everything twice in this pregnancy and which I find I hear is just in so many different women's pregnancy stories. I hear this all the time. So, so many couples are moving during pregnancy. And, yeah. It's um, a fresh start maybe, you know, fresh yeah, start exactly. with this new baby. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, we moved back to my home state and we're living with my parents temporarily. And um, there's actually a birth center that I've always had my eye on that was in my hometown of Boulder, Colorado. And um, I had gone there to interview some midwives and I just absolutely got the best vibe from them. And I was like, the birthing suites, the birthing rooms were just beautiful it was just like nothing medical or industrial about it it was just very warm and and lovely and um we were able to work out a great payment plan with them to be able to birth there and um one of the um requirements from the midwives was that they needed to know the location of my placenta. Um, so they recommended I go to the hospital to have a quick scan. The placement of where my placenta was and so I agreed. I said that's fine and um, so at this point I'm 37 weeks pregnant and um, I actually didn't really know that when I booked in with the hospital for the scan, they were planning on doing the whole morphology scan. So it wasn't just going to be a quick, you know, two minute thing where they're like, okay, you know, your placenta is anterior or posterior or what have you. Um, it was going to be the full, the full scan. And basically at 37 weeks, you know, you just, you don't have very much amniotic fluid left. The baby's so big and so well-developed. It's just really hard to see everything clearly on the ultrasound. So we go through the whole ultrasound, what lasts like what, like 30 minutes, half an hour. Um, and I thought everything looked was great. <laughs> um, we were feeling really good. And um, they sent in this supposedly expert. She said, so like, there's something really serious we need to talk about. And we were unable to see your baby's cerebellum, which is a very troll, very big part of the brain. And she said, um, you know, that the ultrasound could be 
not clear. Like it could be there and we just can't see it. But basically, since they can't tick off that box of requirements for the midwives, I was disqualified completely from giving birth at the birth center, um, which was completely dope. Yeah, definitely. Especially since you were going to this ultrasound thinking it was just for placenta placement as well. Exactly. It was absolutely devastating Mm. um i was heartbroken and for so many reasons um you know i'd been dreaming of my natural birth practically my whole life and um like my mother um my sister and i were both birthed via c-sections and the doctors told my mother you know like she just didn't have a good cervix that's why she couldn't give birth vaginally and i just did not believe that I truly believe that was just a lie. Like our bodies are not just broken, you know? Um, And so I felt like I had this point to prove that I could do it. You know, I could birth a baby the way that I want. And um, so I was kind of mourning that and also hugely, is there something wrong with my baby? Um, very, very wrong. And, you know, the, the prospect of possibly losing um, our baby at birth or having lifelong disabilities. Um, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. And I don't wish it on anyone in the world that late in pregnancy to be just filled with that fear. Um, very intense. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. Um, you know, it would just be terrible. Thirty-seven weeks and getting that information, and and then losing your safe space to birth in, and not knowing how your baby is, and the uncertainty of it all. So you're no longer able to birth in your safe space. So now your mm-hmm. choice is, uh, if you call it a choice, at the hospital. Correct. Yeah. So. Um, they just booked me in with the, um, OBs at the local hospital there. So I had, I never met the uh, OB that was going to be attending the birth. Um, so she was a stranger, which, you know, is (laughs) nothing, you know, it's just not that great. (laughs) If someone you're supposed to be trusting in and, you, you should have been developing a relationship with for at least a while mm. is now like a stranger. Mm-hmm. So um, I was very, you know, my husband and I were very sure that everything was okay with our baby. We, you know, despite what the doctor said, you know, I've, I've actually have had several bad experiences within the hospital and with doctors and um so i i just felt like we could trust our our intuition and felt like you know the baby's okay we're still gonna try to have the best birth that we can at the hospital um let's just make the best of it that we can and um i was really really not wanting to be induced um and the ob's at the hospital were you know every visit we were there, they were pushing to induce me. And so I, I carried to 41 weeks and 
I went in for an NST scan. I'm not sure if it's called the same thing here. It's based, I, maybe you know, it's, um, you know, where they put the monitor on your belly and listen to the heart rate and they want to hear a certain, you know, ebb and flow of the heart yeah. rate. I think we just call that continuous monitoring here with the continuous monitors. Yeah. And it's pretty common. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after that, I mean, everything was in the range of normal. And um, the OB is just like, she was just very much trying to instill fear into me. And um, and it worked. <laughs> she, she's like, it doesn't sound good. And we don't know the, the status and the condition that your baby's going to be in when it's born. We really, we really need you. Not that we need you. We really want you to be induced. And um, I had at that point just kind of had it. I was emotionally exhausted and um, had kind of just had enough. And so I agreed to be induced and the induction that we did was um, with a balloon placed in my cervix and kind of the protocol with it is that they insert the balloon and then 12 hours later, they start you on a syntocin drip to get the contractions going. Mm -hmm. So that's what we had agreed to. Um, they play the balloon inside. And my husband and I were able to go home, get a bag, and we then we checked into the hospital and into our room. And about four hours after the balloon was inserted, I started having regular contractions, <clears throat> which was great because I'm like, this is great because so far no drugs have been introduced. Like maybe this will just kickstart the labor and I won't have to go down any kind of um, rabbit hole of, of drugs. And um, so all night, we checked in, sorry, around 8 p.m. Sorry, my contraction started around 8 p.m. And um, all night, they were going fairly regularly. I was having them about every five minutes, lasting a minute. I was able to really get into it. I was just walking around the hospital floor. I was feeling, I was experiment, like what felt good. There was a tub and I um, shower so I tried that I at this point didn't need to be hooked up to anything which was great and um, my husband just slept all night and yeah I was just like really feeling the contractions and going with it and um, in the morning I hadn't been able to sleep because that's how continuous and strong the contractions were and the, the first nurse that came in who I had not met yet, you know, she, <clears throat> she just kind of laughed at me and was like, why didn't you sleep? And I was like, well, I couldn't because of the contractions. And she just didn't believe me. Um, <laughs> she didn't believe that I contraction. She's, she's trying to convince me that I made the worst decision in the night and I should have forced myself to sleep. Mm. And she's like, it's going to be a really long hall if you don't get some rest and I'm like okay and um so she gave me a sleeping pill which I do not know why I took it <laughs> this is 6 a.m mm. and I took a sleeping pill because she's trying to get me to rest 
Well, it had also been 12 hours since the balloon had been inserted. So they were going to start the Pitocin drip, or excuse me, Syntocin. It's called Pitocin in the U.S. And um, I don't know, you know, people who have experienced Syntocin, yeah, you can't sleep through that. <laughs> you can't sleep through those contractions. Um, it was so intense. Um, I wasn't thinking clearly. I think the sleeping pill made me super foggy brained and I couldn't, I could not find any strength within me to really know what I wanted and like knew where I stood in all of it. It was just like so much fear being shoved onto me and for everyone around me. And, um, so I was on the Syntocin. I went six hours with the Syntocin drip and finally around noon gave in to have an epidural. The Syntocin was giving me minute long contractions and only a minute break. So I was having contractions every other minute and they were so intense, um, like out of this world, could not nothing I did could um, help alleviate any of the sensations. And so around noon, I gave into the epidural. I had a nap, started to feel really good, obviously, because <laughs> now I wasn't feeling any pain. And, um, you know, I had been periodically checked. I was really progressing slow, which makes sense because um, first baby and also the drugs um, in my system. And that afternoon, see, they broke my waters. That didn't progress anything. Anyway, we get to around 7 six thirty that night and everyone everyone's talking you know the c word like <laughs> we just need to get you in for a c-section we just need to get you in for a c-section and at that point i felt like everything had already been kind of robbed for me like i'm just gonna do it so they you know they categorized my c-section as a failure to progress which is not true. Like I was progressing. It just wasn't at the, the speed that they were wanting. Yeah. And we um, like to call it a failure to wait. That's what I like to wait. It's normal for mums to first time mums, especially to be in labor from 24 to three days, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And um, especially if my body wasn't ready yet, I was induced. So mm. my body's like all of a sudden like, oh, wait, now we're doing this. Mm. Okay, well, you know, it wasn't like baby wasn't ready. My mm. body wasn't ready to give birth. So it just, um, it was really forced. And so <clears throat> we go in for the C-section and I'm, my body's pretty much in shock at this point from the amount of syntocin in my body and the epidural. I just start shaking. I'm like shaking violently and I can't stop shaking and have the chills. I'm just freezing in there trying to do everything they can. You know, they were, you know, and the greater aspect of everything, you know, they were quite 
friendly nurses and doctors and stuff, but you know, it just um, was another And my side to the to the side of me, like I can't my arms up, shaking. There, they do a test, like sensation feel to make sure I was fully numb, and I could feel what they poked me with. I'm like, no, 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 I can feel that. And they're like, okay, well, we'll wait just another few minutes, and they're gonna pump me with more drugs. And um, they just decided to go ahead. And I, it's like I could feel it, but I couldn't feel it. And it was horrible. <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. I could feel their hands inside me. Um, I could feel that, I, you know, I could feel them tugging my baby out. And they pull Lindy out. And we didn't know the sex. So I mean, my husband's like, oh, it's a boy. And. I just like they showed me him to me and just didn't it sounds horrible but I just like didn't feel anything I felt like every I was so pumped up with drugs and my body was just overstimulated and I was trying not to faint like I was almost fainting and I I just it it's one of the saddest like moments of all of it because it should be the best moment in your life like looking at your baby your first baby and like and it was but it also wasn't like it was something was stolen you know I feel like something was stolen from me and um of course after he was born guess what perfectly healthy he had his entire brain um he was you know a very healthy little boy and um we struggled to breastfeed and i really think that was because yeah we 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 made it (laughs) it was very hard though um I think that was because of the drugs and the C-section that made the breastfeeding so hard. We, you know, I was like almost screaming in pain and tears for six weeks and had to, I was up at all hours trying to pump and supplement as much of my oat milk. I, I like was refusing to give him formula. I, I had to breastfeed him. And so I was pumping every other hour to make sure he was getting enough milk and bottle feeding him and then going back to trying to breastfeed. And we eventually got there and thank goodness we got a, a long two year breastfeeding journey with each other. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that pregnancy and birth summed up. Um, a bit traumatizing. Um, needless to say, go ahead. Yeah. How did you feel in your postpartum afterwards? Did you have like stories that you were dealing with? How was your mindset and your mental health through that period? Because obviously you got this brand new baby, which is exciting and happy, but did you have any stories that you were telling yourself or that kept popping in your mind about what had happened? Really, uh, so my postpartum period was very hard. Uh, 
so we were still with my parents when we came home with him, um, which there's the good and the bad with that, um, any family dynamic. And my husband and I decided uh, about, I don't know, oh gosh, six to seven weeks postpartum that we were going to move to Australia. And I pushed the birth and the pregnancy trauma in the back of my mind. And I'm like, I'll deal with it later. We're going to focus on something exciting. Like we're moving to a new country and my husband's Australian. So he's moving home. I'm moving to a new country. I'm like getting prepared for that. And so we moved to Australia when my son was three months old. And once we got here, I just got in, just enveloped in depression and postpartum depression. And it was a lot of, um, things that I just didn't deal with after the birth and it kind of all added up and it built up and it built up and I just kind of crashed physically and emotionally and spiritually. And, um, I, I struggled with postpartum depression for probably, you know, 18 months, but, um, the stories it was really easy for me to just point my finger and blame everyone else around me for what happened. But I know that's not, that's not true. Like I could have been so much more prepared. I could have been so much more educated. Um, I thought that I had mentally and physically prepared myself, but I was definitely nowhere near, um, where I should have been. And I think that, you know, I don't blame myself. I, 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 I have forgiven myself. You know, I, I, I don't feel any trauma anymore linked to it. Um, it was incredibly hard lesson for me. And, um, I realized that I had to put in for our next child, I needed to put in like 110% and to creating what I really wanted for the birth and that it wasn't just going to happen. I had to really work on myself and work with relationships around me and, um, dedicate, like, this is what I'm going to do. And, um, yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess then I could go into my second child or is there anything? Yeah, sure. Else? No, that's good. that's good to hear, you know, okay, the so, full um, postpartum. Yeah, so, um, so we're here in Australia and we've been living in this rental in Victoria and, you know, I'm, I'm working through postpartum depression stuff and my husband's also working through some of his trauma with it. Decided to kind of sell everything that we had accumulated over that year or so and we got a little camper van or no like a camper trailer I guess and we just decided to go on the road and travel and just like get out into nature and um, I just feel like 
nature for both him and I is very healing and um, we just wanted some self-reflection and just get out of kind of society a little bit. So we go down to Tasmania for three months and we're just camping for three months. <laughs> um, and it was great. It was hard, but it was really great. And I became pregnant um, with our second when we were down in Tasmania. And so we came back to Victoria. Oh, and so I guess, so when I found out I was pregnant, I knew I was pregnant before I got a positive pregnancy test. And um, I had decided, you know, I'm going to do everything different this mm -hmm. time around. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to allow myself to be crippled by fear and really, really figure out like what is going to be best for me and what is going to be best for this new baby. So like with Indy, I took, I am not joking. I probably took a hundred pregnancy tests. I got like a bulk pregnancy test thing off Amazon and I was taking a pregnancy every test that like every day that's just how obsessive and how much fear I had with his pregnancy and with Zuzi's pregnancy I took one test when we were out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in this forest I, we had stopped at an IGA and I got a pregnancy test it came back positive and that was the only pregnancy test I took for the whole whole time and I just let everything go and I'm like you know I'm not gonna have any fear of miscarrying I'm not gonna have any fear of um just unnecessary fears um that I think that like society really puts on pregnant women and um I'm just gonna figure out what's right for me and um so we go back to Victoria and I spend the rest of my first trimester, we, we stay with my husband's family. And so that was great because, you know, the first trimester is just so icky. Um, it's nice to have help with your other child and um, just to have a little extra support during that time is really nice. Mm, and um, so we... <laughs> We were tired of being cold from being in Tasmania for three months, and we decided to go up, let's drive up to Queensland, and let's just spend a few months up in warmer weather, and, you know, we had it in mind that we were going to maybe find a little town we really connected with, or um, just something like that along the way, but if not that's okay. We can come back to Victoria to, you know, have the baby surrounded by family and stuff or, or whatever. We'll just see how it unfolds. I wasn't going to worry about it. And I had not decided at this point to free birth. Um, I was really planning on having a home birth with a midwife and, um, we were staying, up outside of Noosa, um, up there on the Sunshine Coast, and, um, oh, sorry, actually, no, we were, we were down in New South Wales, 
So we've been traveling for a few months and um, we're creeping up to that 20 week mark. And I hadn't seen anybody for the pregnancy yet, a midwife or a doctor or anything. And I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll get in touch with a midwife locally and we can just, I'll go get the morphology scan because I don't want to make the same mistake that I did last time and not get it. And then for it to, you know, kind of bite me in the bum later on. Mm. Um, so I meet this really nice local midwife and, um, I go in to have the morphology scan and it's the first time we see the baby. And, you know, I knew, she, I knew she was healthy. I could feel her moving in me. I, I really had done so much work to just trust the process. And, um, I was feeling so good, feeling so great. And, um, so got that done. It was great to see her, but I wasn't planning on having any more. And, um, we weren't going to stay in that area and we just kept, <laughs> it sounds so strange, but we just kind of kept going from town to town, like, like short little bursts and staying there for a while and seeing if we felt, you know, a connection to the area and the people and if, were there any midwives there? And, you know, we kind of just trotted around like Southern Queensland and that North coast of New South Wales. And the pregnancy was starting to draw closer and closer to the third trimester. And I was really starting to want to um, nest. And I was starting to have a really hard time being in a camper. <laughs> and um, just getting that far along in pregnancy and I was just getting uncomfortable and um, we had to kind of hop up on our bed and that was starting to get hard. So I'm like, okay, I think it's time for us to just probably go back to Victoria and we'll just settle down there for the last trimester and I can nest and, you know, we can just start grounding and get ready for for this next birth. And I had started reading a bunch of books. Um, well, I was reading books throughout my whole pregnancy on home births and, you know, a lot of Ina May, Gaskin and um, other ones and stuff. And I started coming across these free birthing books and I just thought people do that. Like women give birth with nobody there. That seems crazy. I don't know. And um, but I was really inspired by the stories I was reading. And then, and then I stumbled across the Free Birth Society um, and their podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, I started listening more and more to these women's stories. I just started becoming so inspired. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, these women are awesome. They're just taking complete control and radical responsibility for their choices and their birth and they birth their babies their way and on their terms. And I'm like, okay, this is I'm starting to lean towards this is what I want to do. And, um, I believe I can do it. And, um, and it's great because the free birth society has a whole free birthing course. And so I did that once we got back to Victoria and I just, I never thought that I'd get to the point 
where I'd feel confident enough to do it on my own. But after I did the course and reading stories, listening to podcasts, I felt like, okay, I can definitely do this by myself. I actually don't even need my husband here. (laughs) I feel I can do this. And, uh, so around, we, we got a birthing pool and we got this one that had like a heater with it, which I just liked the idea of, I knew that I was going to want to be in water. And so we got this one with like a, uh, a heat pump. So it could, you could really regulate the temperature and, um, we just, I got, you know, I put up all these affirmations. I made sure the lighting's right. I just feel like your environment and everything around you is crucial for having birth. And like, because little things can really throw you off, I feel like, in a home birth. And like, I just wanted quiet, dark space. Um, you know, I got a lot of things that I wasn't sure if I was going to use or not, but just in case, like an eye mask, I didn't know if like, I'd really want to go inward and not have any light coming through or so on and so forth. So, um, we were, I was nearing 40 weeks and feeling really good the whole pregnancy. Like, yeah, I just, I don't know. It was just such a drastic change and such a drastic difference from my first pregnancy and I wasn't worrying about when labor was going to happen or when the birth was going to happen I just felt really calm and like I'm just going to let this unfold how it unfolds and I think like with birth like surrendering to the process trusting the process is like all you have to do like getting your mind out of it is like the best thing because our mind is what limits us when it comes to anything that we want to achieve or anything that we want to do in life. So um 40 weeks comes and goes and then on let's see I think it was like 40 weeks and three days we decide to set up the birthing pool kind of do a time like a trial run through of like okay my husband go get this and like we'll set up this we'll put up our affirmations we'll get everything set up let's see how long it takes us to get everything done I was fully expecting like I could be in labor for three days I don't know I haven't gone through a natural full you know natural labor process so I don't know what to expect let's just prepare for for it to be that mm, long you yeah. know or so Perfect we set everything plan for the up. worst. Plan for the worst. Yes. It's going to be a week labor <laughs> and then be a surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, it was just such a wonderful day, actually. We, like, we had music playing and my son and I, who was, gosh, he was like two, two and a half at this point. And um, we were just cleaning. I was like crazy cleaning mode. Um, with my nesting, I was probably vacuuming every single day. And I just, I was thinking if I'm in labor, I'm not going to want to see dirt on the floor. Like, I just know that. Um, (laughs) so we're dancing around cleaning, we're setting everything up 
and then it's coming around dinner time and getting ready for dinner. So we we put everything down and put it away. And I hop into bed with my um, son, Indy, and there's just this gush. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I've been on my feet all day. I was really tired. I was ready just to relax. And then bam, (laughs) okay, what's happening? Something's happening. So I run to the toilet and I wipe and there's just a bloody show. And I'm just like, I mean, giddy, just so excited. And I'm like to my husband, like, Helen, oh my gosh. Like, I think it's my mucus plug, my bloody show. That means like labor could start now or it could start in a few days, but it's soon. <laughs> like it's, we're coming, we're coming to the, Exciting. To the precipice. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So exciting. So um, contractions start immediately. And I'm like, all right, this is it go get that pool set up again, even though he just broke it down and um, get it filled up. Like, let's get, let's get going. So it takes him about an hour, hour and a half to get the pool set up and filled. And I was just, I mean, I hopped in the shower and I'm like giggling and laughing. Cause I'm just I, I felt like I've already kind of like won. Like my body just is going into labor on its own. I'm not broken. <laughs> like I can, I can do this. This is, it's so exciting. So, and I'm just rocking and kind of dancing and moaning with the contractions. And my son's just happy laying on the bed and we put on a movie for him. And we set up the birthing pool in the bedroom because um, that's just where I felt safest. And, um, I wasn't worried really about what my son was going to be doing. Um, I just kind of figured it'd work out, um, (laughs) whatever happened, wherever he was going to be. Um, it was just going to work out how it worked out. And it did, it it, it was great. The pool was set up and it was heated. And so I jumped in the pool and Indy jumped in with me and he was having fun splashing around and, then the contractions started getting a little more intense and probably around like seven thirty, eight o'clock I was like couldn't handle um having like any other external stimulation so like Indy got into bed and he ended up just falling asleep on his own and I just put on some headphones and just went inward and just kind of saying over and over again some mantras of just like releasing and surrendering and just flowing with with the waves you know it's such a wave and it's such a dance with labor and um my goal between each contraction was to just completely relax and just let go and let my body rest and so i did this um there was no timing contractions i i i I didn't care. I, they were happening. So it was like, I don't need to control this in any way with my mind. Like I, my mind just needs to be out of it. So around midnight, um, my water breaks in the pool and um, there was no, you know, I looked for some aconium or 
anything like that. And it was, it was just all clear from what I could tell um, in the water. Oh, so and, the waters, um, what happened earlier? Was it a little bit of a hind leak or something earlier? It was my mucus plug and bloody oh, show that okay. came out. So yeah. it wasn't your waters yeah. that was coming out. It was your no. mucus. Okay. Though I think that my waters were a bit leaky for a while. Um, okay. Cause I had some like weird, tiny gushes, like, the weeks leading up to labor okay. um and I couldn't tell if I was peeing myself or or what mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it didn't smell of urine mm -hmm. so like I was looking it up and I'm like I don't think that I'm having bladder control issues mm -hmm. so I think there was just it, it was kind of gushing a little bit um leading up to labor and when the mucus plug um released there's a, a little gush of liquid but I I felt a balloon pop inside me around midnight. So I knew that's the only way I knew that my, my waters broke because yeah, it just felt like a little pop, like in a release. Okay. So I think that was my waters. Okay. And, um, my husband's just sitting there. I, I really felt great on my own. Um, he kept trying to massage me and I was like, nah, don't touch me. I, I, I don't want to be touched. I, you know, though the gesture's nice. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just need to be on my own. And um, the only time I really needed him was during a contraction. I felt like having a counter pressure um, weight for me to pull on was so helpful. So I would pull on his arms during a contraction and I could lean back and just like be totally, <laughs> you know, taken by the contraction, but like held and like, it was just, it was great. It was just this beautiful kind of dance through it. And, um, you know, I listened to some music, but I found it distracting. You know, I, I used my eye mask, but you know, it wasn't, I didn't need it. The room was quite dark already and we just had some candles lit and um so after my waters break around midnight I decide I think I'm gonna try to check myself and see if I can feel something so I stick my fingers up and I felt nothing it was, it was just like a void <laughs> and I'm like Oh my God. Like it was the first time I had the hint of fear come in and I'm like, okay, let it go. Just because you don't feel anything doesn't mean something's not happening. Um, I just had to, to release the fear. So I worked through the fear. I released it and I just went back to the dance of the contractions and I was falling asleep in between the contractions, I would mean, I feel like I was in active labor for probably three hours, two to three hours of every, a contraction every two to three minutes, lasting a minute. Um, and around 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, I just, my body, and I could not not push. I'm like, okay, so this is it. I guess I'm starting to push now. <laughs> like I'm just letting my body take over. My body knows what to do. And so I start pushing 
with every contraction and it started to feel good. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Like the contractions were super intense, but it's nothing you like can't handle. And the pushing felt like satisfying almost like it was felt really productive. And, and so I started pushing and, um, you know, maybe around like three in the morning, I decided, okay, you know what, I'm just going to check again. Let's just, let's just see what's going on. So I stick my fingers inside and there's a head, a very hairy head right there. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just laughing and just like ecstatic. And I'm like, Callum to my husband, like, you got to feel, so he got to feel the head right there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she, like we didn't know what it was yet, but you know, she was so close. And, um, so her head, when she was started to crown, it was just this, you know, I wasn't going to force anything. I was a little worried about tearing, but I thought like, if I could just breathe and like, let my body do the pushing, I'm not going to worry about tearing or anything Let's, you know, and so she's crowning and she's kind of you know, her head's coming out a little bit, then going back in, coming out a little bit, going back in. And we kind of like did that back and forth for a while, at least half an hour, which, you know, is quite intense. You've got the ring of fire type burning sensation of that stretching, but like she's stretching me slowly and, um, and her head comes through and I stick my hand down to feel what, um, what position she was in. And she was, she was in an anterior position. And, uh, so I was like, Oh, oh, baby, being in the perfect birthing position. And, uh, (laughs) cause Indy was posterior, um, when I was in labor with him. So, um, that was always in the back of my mind, um, for this labor and delivery, but, then um yeah so like one more push and her shoulders just popped out and then I pulled her up and um I was done it was the, I did it like <laughs> holding this baby in the yeah. water mm. I did it by myself oh my god and you know Callum my husband comes over and we're just like staring at her and I just did not recognize her she looked so foreign to me I'm like who are you like (laughs) who is this little baby and I got that feeling that I was so desperately wanted with my first birth which was just that you know oxytocin overload of love and just oh like this is you know my baby and we're sitting there for 10 minutes and then we we forgot to look at what the sex was you know we were so just overtaken in the moment we were just just so shocked it was a girl we really thought it was another boy so it was such a nice surprise and um <clears throat> she was born on the super full moon so we had the full moon coming through the window the light from the full moon coming through the window and it's just candlelight and it's just warm and lovely and amazing and so um, I was really ready to get out of the water at that point. Been in the water for about 10 hours. <laughs> um, um, and I climb into bed. And right when I sat on the bed to push myself back, my placenta just flew out, just shot out. And um, we put it in a bowl and 
laid down and she started to breastfeed right away. And by the way, my son Indy slept through the entire thing. And I was howling and roaring and screaming and he slept through the entire thing. And even when we're laying in bed next, next to him and she's making her little crying, cooing, newborn sounds, mm. um, he's still sleeping through it. So it was just perfect. I'm mm. laying there with my two littles and it was just so lovely. And um, yeah, so I, I noticed though, after I burned the placenta that my bleeding was a bit heavy. And um, I kind of was, you know, very cautious of taking notice of like, okay, still having quite a bit of bleeding, you know, the placenta's been burned and, you know, trying to feel like how comfortable I am. And after about an hour or two, I started to get a bit lightheaded and faint. And um, I was like, okay, I think like we need to go to the hospital. I'm not really sure what's going on, but I just want to go get checked out. Not the, I was starting to have kind of bad contractions. And like, this isn't normal. Um, it's not just birth pain. So I was like, I think there's a sun placenta still still inside me um so we called it to keep zuzu our the little baby um we kept her attached to the placenta the whole time as we went to the hospital so we were never separated and she wasn't separated from her placenta at any point and um we get to the hospital and it i i gotta be honest it was not a great experience um <laughs> it was um you know, we, we arrived and it was this older male OB and he could, you could tell he was just very unhappy with the whole situation. That's fine. That's his, that's his prerogative. That's fine. That's his opinion and everything. But, um, he kept asking me what I did wrong. What did I do to get myself like into a, he thought I had an infection and I'm trying to tell him, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I truly believe that there's just some retained placenta. Um, and they, they, they started putting me on drips and drugs um, without my consent at first. And I thought that was very strange and it made me very uncomfortable. Um, and they put me on Sintosin. And I'm like, well, I know that they, they give you a shot of Sintosin to try to, to stop hemorrhaging and bleeding but my like my body was my uterus was trying very hard to expel something like i i don't believe i needed syntocin i wasn't bleeding out to death but my uterus was trying to get rid of something and they they were not listening to what we thought was what was happening so finally after a couple like a couple hours um, and I'm in immense pain. I'm still having crazy, horrible contractions. Now I have the syntocin contractions happening. It's all very painful. They take me down to have an ultrasound and guess what? Yes, there's, there's something in there still. So, um, either they can, um, I can be taken to surgery and have it removed surgically. Um, no, that, that was, that was a consensus. Sorry. Yeah. So that was the consensus. So we go back to our room and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm feeling upset 
but not like overly. I just kind of wanted to get it all resolved and done with and go home. Um, and so this male doctor, <laughs> he, he came in and he misread the results of the ultrasound and he proceeded to manually with his fingers reach into my uterus and remove what was in there um which the ultrasound showed that that it what was in there was too big to be removed like manually um of course i don't know i'm not a doctor like i don't know exactly what's what and he he convinced me that he could do it with his fingers and I wouldn't have to have surgery. So I said, okay, um, <laughs> I've just given birth to a four kilo <laughs> baby. Um, like I'm not too excited about having someone put their, their fingers up into my uterus. So he does it and it, I, and he was violent. He was, um, aggressive. And he was digitally like what I felt like was rape. He was, it felt like he wanted to, to cause me pain. And I know mm. that that's probably not true, but it felt, ang there was anger intent behind it. I feel like, I feel like he was not happy that a woman gave birth to a baby without him there or something. And you didn't have pain medication, did you? I didn't have any pain mm. medication. So I have two midwives pushing, forcibly pushing down my uterus as he's sticking his fingers up into my uterus, trying to extract this blood clot, piece of uterus, whatever it was, or piece of, uh, excuse me, placenta or whatever it was. And, um, yeah, so <clears throat> Uh, I was almost, you know, off the table, through the roof, screaming. He's telling me to be quiet, not to scream. He's telling, you know, he's like, just stay still. I'm like, I literally can't. I literally cannot stay still. And the midwives look at me and they're like, tell him to stop. And I'm like, okay, like, stop. And so he stopped. And my husband's in the corner just traumatized like he didn't know I'm I can laugh about it now only because I have healed like I'm not I don't feel like trauma from it anymore but um my poor husband is just traumatized in the corner and he just he didn't he didn't know what to do throughout the whole thing he's holding our newborn like what is happening and and then after that happened you know my husband's like you need to leave. We don't ever want to see you again. Do not touch my wife again. And um, so he left and he made a big stink about it. And the whole hospital made a big stink about it. Like we should just take whoever's on, you know, whoever's there. And I'm like, well, I'm not consenting to be assaulted. So um, I would like a different doctor, please. <laughs> um, Which is your so right they, to do. And so many women do do this in the public hospital as well. And they should be treating with respect and kindness anyways. But I, uh, I don't know much about placenta removal or anything. And I would like to have someone on to talk about it. But in the latest episode that I recorded, 
the lady who had some retained placenta or had it um, left inside, she did have a spinal, I'm pretty sure. So she yep. did have heavy medication to help. So I can only imagine the intense pain you must have been in. I, to have someone's hand up inside you and inside there, I, it almost seems inhumane. I know it. It is. I, he, he, he. I, I truly believe he wanted me to like. He wanted. I don't know. Yeah. I. He. It felt so much anger and aggression out of this man. Like it was just. It was so unnecessary. And the midwives came in saying, "Oops, actually, he misread the ultrasound, and the only way to remove the retained placenta was through a DNC, which is just a quick." you know, sur surgical thing where they sweep, sweep out the uterus. Um, and I'm like, are you serious? Like, why, why didn't someone stop him? Like, why, why, like, why did we just have to go through this horrid, you know, experience? So they take me down to surgery. Anyway, that goes fine. Well, it was a little piece of placenta, um, from what I know, you know, retained placenta is very rare, it's, you know, happens like one to three percent of the time. Um, if you, you can be slightly at a higher risk, I mean, very slightly, like a percentage higher risk if you've had a C-section before. Um, but it's, it's, it's very rare, um, to happen. So, was it actually um, embedded in your scar at all? No, ne it wasn't. Near scar site? It was completely no. away from there? It was, yeah. Cool. So I, I, I don't know what would have caused it. Was it the, you know, like my placenta evacuated pretty much. Like it, it came out so fast. So I don't know what happened and I'll never know. And, it, and it's okay. You know, it's, it's behind me and if we have any more children, I'm, I will choose to free birth again. And it, I, it is a risk that retained placenta will happen again, but it, it's not something that I'm scared of. It's not something that I feel like I could, I should, I should fear. Um, I, it's a reality. Sure. And I can deal with it. Um, if it were something to happen again, but, um, and that's what the, the hospital's there for. You listen to your intuition. You went there, exactly. you sought help. You didn't know anything about the topic, uh, because that's what the experts are supposed to know. Um, exactly. Unfortunately, in this case, the person working wasn't doing a thorough job. Um, yep. mistakes happen, which, you know, I think we've all been a victim of mistakes. I know I certainly have. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that's what they're there for. So there you go. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to, we went, I went, uh, you know, they wanted me to stay overnight and I said, no, I want to go home right now. <laughs> so we left and against, we had to sign, you know, so many forms saying you're doing everything against their advice. Um, and we went home and, um, you know, I was, I was a bit weak for a few days, but I felt good. I didn't feel bad. And also in the surgery, they were able to, I didn't tear at all during, during birth. So, um, you know, that, that was, that was great. Um, great thing to kind of get some validation of 
you know, that I was, I was birthing, I was following my intuition and I, I birthed her the best way that I could birth her. And, um, we had a great, you know, breastfeeding relationship right off the bat and we still are. And yeah. Um, awesome. And how, how old is your little baby now? She's 16 months. Mm, So well done. Yeah. Yeah. And now you've got the two little munchkins. Yep. Yeah. Are you planning another one? Possibly. Mm. Um, we feel, sometimes I feel called, like maybe there's a little, um, spirit baby mm. out there that wants to join our family. Um, mm. and we, you know, we, we feel like our babies come to us when, when they're ready. So we'll see. I'm open to it. Um, so And so you've had to work around a bit of trauma from your first birth and also from the second part. And before we jumped on the call, you mentioned that you do a bit of support birth um, trauma counseling. I do. Yeah. And support. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So, you know, being, you know, faced with very hard situation, life situations, I've just been, you know, taught that, healing and letting go of trauma and pain is just so important. Um, cause we care, we will carry it. It will carry in our bodies physically in our, you know, our minds and spiritually, like we will carry that. And it's just so important to talk to someone about it. Um, so I do a, a birth trauma debrief, which is basically, you know, we can talk, um, on the phone virtually or in person if you're in country Victoria and, um, we can go through, you know, step-by-step things that have happened. You can have a chance to be really heard and acknowledged. Um, sometimes I feel like we really need that validation from somebody that our trauma really matters. Our birth, the birth of our children really matters and how we feel about it really matters. So, yes, yeah, so we do, um, you know, birth, uh, trauma debrief. And I do some coaching, um, just general women's coaching around health relationships and, um, birth and, um, pregnancy. If anyone's interested in free birthing and having a home birth. Um, awesome. So what's your website they can catch you on? I do some art to help so my website is uh, www at uh, dot sorry rootsofawoman.com. So it's <clears throat> woman spelled W O M B A N as in mm-hmm. womb womb un. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so woman.com and um, yeah, you can book sessions with me on there or um, um, buy some art through there too if anyone likes that and um yeah i just i guess i should say too like a huge healing part with um my second was actually have i had a a very powerful ritual kind of ceremony with her placenta and i actually only did this a few weeks ago and um she actually helped me. It was so, it was so wonderful. She just intuitively knew what I was doing with her placenta. And I, I got it out of our little container cause we've had it in the freezer for the last, you know, year and a half. And, um, we go out in the backyard and I dig a hole and we just start 
covering it in dirt and kind of massaging the dirt into the placenta and I wrap it up and I wrap it up in some paper and we just made a massive bonfire and I just said some words that you know were special to me of releasing some trauma and releasing anything negative tied to that experience and with this placenta but also thanking the placenta for the life that it nurtured in my belly and um, yeah released the placenta to the fire and it was just incredibly powerful and I think that we can't take take it for granted how powerful it is to create little ceremony or create moments that you know with things that are so life-changing because it can just really be healing and wonderful yeah absolutely well thank you so much for coming on and sharing your stories and uh for being so raw and vulnerable with us really appreciate you coming on today thank you so much it's been a pleasure and thank you love it thank you so much Hey, me again. I just wanted to let you know that I've just created a brand new Facebook group called VBAC Home Birth Support Group, where you can connect with other like-minded mothers who are looking to have a VBAC home birth as well. You can find the link in the show notes and I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for listening to the VBAC Home Birth Stories podcast. I hope that this episode has helped you take another step to finding your voice and confidence in your VBAC journey. If you enjoyed the episode, please take a second to rate and review. Each review helps us to help more women to find out more about VBAC Home Birth, just like you. Don't forget to take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at The Motherhood Circle. See you next week.